So we are going to be in Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 1. And if you want to follow along with us this morning, there are sheets out there. If you would like to get candy afterwards, no pressure, but you're more than welcome to fill one of those out. But the title for today, which is important for those sheets, and they pointed out to me the last three weeks, you haven't had a title, Shane. Well, it's Walk in Obedience. Walk in Obedience. And I get that from the first eight verses, and it is a theme that continues through Revelation that changes the way I look at the book of Revelation. It really does. And it reads to me more and more like Matthew 25 instead of Matthew 24 as I'm reading it this time because of that. Uh, Matthew 25 is be ready, get ready, you need to be prepared. Revelation has always been that for me too, but it's been a let's decode it. Let's, let's look in deeper and see what we have in Revelation. And that's not really what Revelation's about. So, with that being said, we have to do a little bit of a, a beginning session. So we study the book of Revelation to be... Revel, Revelation. it's a new book in the Bible. We study the book of Revelation to be prepared to see the prophecy unfold as we walk in obedience with the Lord. Revelation chapter 1 is a little different. We've been studying the book of John. We've been walking through that from for quite a while before Easter. We're taking a break. We're going into Revelation a little bit to see what the Lord has. We may jump back in between there when I feel like you're getting bored or if I need a little bit more study time. Honestly, that's what some of this is. But as I study Revelation, it's hard to get it all in. It really is. Um, there is cultural things that are going on. There's... Uh, Scripture, jumping back and forth between the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then Revelation. It is so amazing. So I have to get a few things out of the way to show you where I'm coming from so it may help you study it or at least see the perspective of where I'm coming from. So I look at the Gospel of John as a study of a lamp unto my feet. John shows us the next path to take. Revelation can do that too because it is about obedience, but it is also the best place we find a light into thy path. It is hope of heaven. It is hope of a victory. Jesus Christ has won the war. We may lose a few battles along the way, but Christ has won the war, and he promises us that. And what do we know about God's word? God's word is true. Exactly. God's word. I need my kids, my little kids. God's word is true, right? That's something that we've learned in community Bible study, and we've incorporated that in our house as well. God's word is true. So we're looking at the prophecy in obedience. If we walk out of obedience, it's hard to see the prophecy, right? Because if you want to see God do amazing things in your life, don't try to do it your own way and then expect God to do exceptional things. That's another way to put it. But if you want to see God do amazing things, walk in his ways, and then when you something amazing happens, you will be able to see God in it. You can take yourself right out of that very easy and simply. So we're going to be looking at prophecy, but more specifically, we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. As we read the call to worship this morning in Titus 2, verses 11 through 15, Paul instructs Titus in a few things. He informs him that God's grace reveals to us salvation. God's grace reveals salvation to us. If we don't have God's grace, we don't have salvation. And if we don't have salvation, we're not going to heaven. We don't have prophecy to look forward to. We don't know. So it is important to know what salvation looks like. 
Or maybe another way is, how do I know that I'm saved, Pastor Shane? How do I know? Well, first of all, is by God's grace. It isn't something that we can do. It's something God has done for us through Jesus Christ's Son. And when we have faith in him, that process together, working together, grace with faith, or through faith, I guess, is the process by which we are saved. Okay? So that is very important to lay down before we start the book of Revelation. Because if you don't have that part down, it's not very good to study the end if you don't got the beginning, <laughs> right? So you have to understand God's grace is super important. Faith is a building block, the next building block on that grace. That process called justification. When we walk in sanctification or we walk toward holiness, that is when we can understand or maybe discern better God's prophecies for us, okay? That's, that's the process right there. So what are some indicators in your life that you are saved? Well, one, that God is active in your life. Maybe somebody else points out to you that they see God active in your life. Maybe you see evidence in your own life, but sometimes... We will do anything to justify our own salvation. So maybe we're not the best uh, ruler on this one. Um, You can ask a mentor. Have the courage to ask a mentor. Do you see God working in my life? And most of the time I will always say yes, but I don't always see you listening. (laughs) That's Because that's how I answer me, myself. Do I see God working in my life? Yes, he is always working but I'm not always listening. Sometimes I flat out ignore him, and that is to my detriment. But when I walk in the light as he is in the light, then I see these truths revealed. So are you allowing God to speak into your life? Are you in God's word daily would be ideal. How about more than just Sunday? Do you have another time during the week that you even read your Bible? If you don't, you need to ask the question, why? You have the words of eternal life. Do you know that the prophets and the, the law, they long to see these things. They long to see them. We have them recorded for us. We have the freedom in this country to read it from a pulpit online, even though we get censored quite a bit. Uh, Uh, but there goes my click and get him off of there. (laughs) Right. But we get, we have the ability to do that. We have free speech. We have the right to assemble. All those things are so important to hang on to and not to allow anyone or any government, including our own to stop us from doing that. We have to have the courage to walk forward and turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast out our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us a pure heart. Let us not lift our souls to another. That's a song. It's called Clean Hands. Surprised you didn't know that. Here, watch out. I might start string dancing here pretty soon. Beth's like, I haven't seen you string dance in a long time. Uh, it's hard not to, honestly. <laughs> our desires for thing, are for things of God. They're not for our sinful desires. We pursue wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Think about that. Wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God are attributes that Christ had when he was here on the, this earth, right? And so we need to look and be like Christ. We look forward with hope that the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Paul is writing to Timothy, who is most likely under persecution, whether it's from his own church or whether it's from those around him. John is writing Revelation, definitely in persecution. No question about that one. And I'll get into why in that. Okay, So how did this adventure all start? How did this journey begin? Why do we know that 
Jesus is coming again. Well, we know because he came the first time, right? The prophets and the law, they point to Jesus coming twice, and they point to him coming again as the conquering king. And how do we know this? Because Jesus confirmed it when he came the first time, right? So if Jesus is true, which we know he is, how do we know? Because we've studied that, and if you have it, you need to. You need to be able to go and say, was Jesus true? Did he really walk this earth? What he says, does it make sense? Does it make sense to you? How do I know that? I study the Gospels. I study the Gospels, and I know that my faith journey is true. So Jesus gave up his life to free us from every kind of sin, every kind we talked about that on Thursday night with the kids. We had a lot. We had another good session. I'm going to say Thursday night with those kids. They asked some tough questions, and one of the questions was, "What happens if you start walking down a path that doesn't really line up with the Bible?" And I said, "Oh, that's that's a great question," but we have an answer in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse two. Therefore, let God transform you with the renewal of your mind. And then he gives us all this great application in the next four chapters. Unless we're walking in sin, then it's not so great. And you're like, oh, I got to change that and that and that. But it's for us who want to be transformed. God can renew your mind, which renews your heart or soul. And then it transforms into your lifestyle. We like sheep have all gone astray, but he can remove that iniquity from us. As far as the east is from the west, there's like four Bible. I feel like I just gave a revelation passage right there. I just gave four passages of scripture and tied them all together. That's what he does in verse one through eight. Did you not? Specifically, verse seven comes from almost four or five different verses in the Old Testament. We'll get into that when we get there. I'm jumping ahead. So God has cleansed us. He has made us his own people, adopted heirs into the kingdom of God along with the Jewish people. And it's not something that we get by birth. It is something that we receive by faith, right? Totally committed to doing good deeds because of his grace. We want to do good works because of what God's done for us. We don't do good works so God will do good in us. Okay, that's wrong. We do good works because of what he has done for us. It results out of the grace that comes along, right? So what are we going to do about it? This is what Paul charges Titus with. We must teach these things. We have a responsibility to teach the word of God, specifically that he's coming again, that there is hope in the Messiah. That's what it says in Titus. That's where I've gotten all this reference so far. I've just reiterated Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. This is like a Bible study inside of a sermon. Okay, So you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. It is about the process. Right? I just saw it on, on a, a meme on, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, coach Leslie, I don't know what his last name is, but uh, he's a coach. He's a baseball training coach, I think, hitting coach. And he says, trust the process. Trust the process. When you are learning how to play softball and your, your softball coach is teaching you how to swing, and she says, or he says, to keep your hands out in front of your bat, and you're like, but I swing like this. No, you're rolling your wrist over. That's wrong, right, Allison? Right, you keep your hands out in front, right? Trust the process. And then when you go and you swing through the ball the next time you swing, and you're like, whoa, it's because you trusted the process. It's the same thing when we are walking by faith in grace, when we trust the process, God will show up. 
Another illustration in that is when you're learning how to play an instrument, specifically for me, the guitar. I was the worst guitar student ever because I ain't got rhythm. I ain't got rhythm. Just ask a, that's a, that's a song I'm finishing and Ferb. Uh, but ask Chris uh, Erickson, does Pastor House have rhythm? No, he does not. I am developing rhythm. Even today, you can still learn music, guys, because I'm still learning up here. I'm still, I still feel it. I'm like, I, got, I can hear it. Um, and I'm like, wow, I really am horrible at rhythm. And that, and that to me is a good sign because I'm starting to hear it. Okay, so I'm starting to feel it a little bit more, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is kind of exciting. I wonder what's going to happen, because when you learn a musical instrument, just like you do in your spiritual walk, it goes and pops. So you start going along, you start trying to learn the G chord, and then the C chord, and then E minor, and then I got to stretch down to the D. How do you do that? Well, now it's like, because I just woke up one day, and it worked, Right? It's 90% up here on an instrument, and it's 10% down here. And it's the same thing with your walk and your faith. When you get it up here, renew your mind. When you transform your mind, when you're in God's word, when you see what he has for you, it transfers down to here. And your heart, when it is changed and convicted, your lifestyle will change. It will So we studied the book of Revelation to be prepared to see the prophecy unfold as we walk in obedience to the Lord. So when are we actually going to read Revelation, Pastor House? Right now. Revelation chapter 1. This is the New Living Translation. The first three verses. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church and had and he blesses all who listen to its message and obeys what it says for the time is near. Now I just I'm able here to put something into words that I w- I've been trying to ever since I started studying this. The f- verse 1. Look at that. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ. And I want to say, well no it's not. It's from John the apostle. Okay? So he is either uber confident or uber cocky in writing this. And I would say John, who doesn't even like to write his name on his own gospel, very humble man, is very confident in what he saw. He is very confident to put Jesus Christ, his Lord, his Savior, his Master, his best friend's name on this text from the beginning, and says, this is from Jesus. I wrote it down, but this is from Jesus. He told it to me. I learned it from him. Now you listen, and you will be blessed. Well, which we'll get into that. So our first sermon point this morning is the same as our title, Walk in Obedience. Walk in Obedience. What do we find out in this passage? This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice It is revelation, not revelations. There's no S on the end. It is just one. He didn't need several. Praise God he didn't need several. He doesn't need another book. He doesn't need a complimentary study. He needs the Bible, and that is it. We don't have a Book of Mormon. We don't have um, our own version. We can pretty much use almost any version of the Bible and study God's Word Almost any. There's like one I can think of that you can't, but we're not J-dubs, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's true, sorry. Um, God got it right the first time. Listen to me. 
God got it right the first time. He didn't need another revelation. He told us what we needed to know, and then we rest in that, which is like nearly impossible because it's the future. We're curious humans. I want to know. I feel like that old inquirer commercial. Inquiring minds want to know, Lord. I want to know. And so I'll go out and read all the suckers and all the, all the things. And I, I, I've done some of that. And I come back and just get the text in the raw. And it speaks the most. I'm not saying Revelation is an easy book to read. Okay, It's hard. Uh, but it helps. Well, we'll get into that in a second here. John recorded this while in exile on the Isle of Patmos, which we'll get in a little bit more next week, but that's what he says. John's an old man, and at this point, is still very faithful and active in the church. Though the church is young and has had a hard time listening to John. How do I know that? I've read his other letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Those are the small letters right before Revelation, where he gets a little rough on some people, and reminds them to get back to the basics, right? Get back to the basics. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Christ told us to do. Don't forget, don't forget it. John faithfully, faithfully reported all he saw. This is his report, the testimony of Christ Jesus. And then verse 3 God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to his message and obey what it says, for the time is near. The time is near. Well, Shane, we talk about a thousand-year reign, and we've had 2,000 years since Christ has been here. How can we even be talking about time being near? You don't even believe the thousand-year reign started yet, so we're not even to the end, then. Okay? Strong point. What's nearer than the end, end? My end, right? Am I guaranteed tomorrow? Am I guaranteed even a second more of time? I could have a brain aneurysm right now. I could fall dead on the floor right here. Do I know where I'm going today? That's what this is about. Being ready, being prepared, being obedience in that preparation. That's what we have to be ready for. The only book in the Bible that states by reading it, you will receive a blessing is Revelation. Yet I would say out of the, most of the Bible, it's one of the hardest to read, except for the genealogies. Those are hard to read. But those are important as well. You might say, but pastor, I can't understand Revelation. This, there's so much symbolism and allegory and, and things that don't really make sense to me, and I don't understand it because I don't know the culture very well. Well, some of that is you need to be a student of their culture, and some of that is I agree with you. It is hard to understand, but if you're reading it for the first time as you go through Revelation and you get to verse 3, you know you will be blessed by the end of it, then it's worth reading. Because in the end, we find out that Christ Jesus wins. We find out that we are under authority. We'll find that by the end of the day, end of this message. We find out that in obedience is very important to the Lord, and it actually is the result of our faith. Right? It's the result of faith. Obedience is the result of faith. When we walk in obedience, it results in a deeper faith, which grows on grace, which compounds into love. So Jesus warns us in Matthew 7, 15, to be aware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. And then he lets us know in verse 20 of Matthew 7, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. We talked about that more at length two weeks ago on Sunday. Unfortunately, we find more false prophets on the second coming prophecy than any other place in the Bible. Why? 
I believe it's because it's easy to deceive people because it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. But God hasn't changed. His patterns don't change. He doesn't really, he's very steadfast. So if we can look at his pattern here on earth, it gives us some answers for the pattern of what he's about to do. Okay? And so it hasn't happened yet. So I don't really get caught up in the symbolism that maybe say an eagle represents America. I don't, I don't get into that. I think I may have 20 years ago, it would have been a lot easier to, but I see America not making it maybe to the end times, unfortunately. We are falling fast. And I'm not saying it's because of elections and things. I'm saying it's the division in our country. The division that we have in politics, we, the divisions we have in friendships, the divisions we have on social media allows us to set up these little kingdoms that if we don't like somebody's opinion, we can just kick them off our Facebook page, off our Instagram, and we can only have people that listen to the same thing that we do. Right? We are the, the ruler of our own domain, and doesn't that speak to humanism more than anything? Been convicted about that this week. As you can ask Beth, it's just the first, about the fourth time she's heard that story. <laughs> so I don't get caught up into that stinging bees or missiles or bullets, or but I do my best to look at the big picture. And as I mature in my faith, I narrow my view a little bit more, and I try to do that slowly. Because I mature slowly, honestly. And like I'll say, I've known you for 20 years and you're just getting mature enough to teach us on Sunday mornings. <laughs> I'm just kidding that about that too, kind of. <laughs> we studied the book of Revelation to be prepared to see the prophecy unfolding as we walk in obedience to the Lord. Yes, read, reading the book of Revelation is a blessing. But obeying it is much more of a blessing. For the time is near. Jesus is coming soon. Or we're leaving this earth soon. Right? We don't know the day or the hour. Speaking of which, I found out uh, Lester Meisenheimer passed away this week. So I know some of you guys know him. And he was a great missionary down in Ecuador and a great saint, and the reason why I'm a pastor today, um, one of the big reasons. So be praying for the Meisenheimer family. Um, Jesus is coming soon, isn't he? Or we're leaving this earth soon. There is no staying put. This church is a church in exile. These seven churches he's about ready to write in chapters 2 and 3 are in exile. And so there's an urgency for change. We don't have an urgency for change unless Christ is in our life urging us to change. We need to be ready for that. So I'm, so I'm asking you to go through the confusion of Revelation and study it with me. Hopefully I can bring some clarity. Are you willing to do that? To study Revelation with me as I go through the first time preaching through it. I feel Revelation is a lot like geometry. We got to work the process, as the sports would say. We got to work like geometry. We got to memorize the proofs and trust the proof so we have a foundation for the next part or the next part of the shape to take place, right? We got to know that congruent angle so we can put a trapezoid together, maybe, right? And if we want to know something else more than that, we'll have to ask our friend Ken about geometry and not Pastor Shane. I used to be really good at geometry. I'm waiting for my daughter to need help in math. She hasn't yet. She hasn't asked me yet which is also a blessing there too, because now I can say, well, go ask your sister. <laughs> Likewise with Revelation, it makes a lot more sense if a few 
a few chapters in and then look back at the bigger picture. We have seven seals that we talk about. There's scrolls and there's different things that go along in there and they stack up on one another. I'm going to do my best to bring an illustration to put up on the screen so you can see that as we walk through that because it's really important to see how they stack because the seventh seal, the seventh seal, you have five scrolls or something to that effect. I can't remember how many scrolls. And then in those, we have trumpets and then they are all part of that one seal, okay? And that's important to, to know. Once you can kind of see that, I feel Revelation opens up a lot more. It makes a lot more sense. So I'm going to try to do my best to illustrate that up on the screen as we go through that. So let's try to look at the big picture and then narrow our view down, okay? This, this is why we study the book of Revelation, to prepare to see the prophecy unfold as we walk in obedience. Let's continue on reading verses 4 through 6. This is John's greeting to the seven churches that Revelation is written to. This letter is for John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who still is to come for the seven, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Wow, what a statement. He was, has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So many things I could say about that, but I didn't go into in this letter. Christ, this is our second point, Christ Jesus is worthy of our obedience. Christ Jesus is worthy of our obedience. The number seven is brought up at least twice right here in this passage. We have the sevenfold spirit and the seven churches. People say that seven is God's number. People say that Seven represents perfection. It's the perfect number. And sometimes they're correct. But I would say seven represents sanctification. Okay? And sanctification can be perfect. It can be holy. But it can also be in the process of Okay? The seven churches are in the process of sanctification. The sevenfold spirit has arrived at perfection. Okay? And so there's where some of that confusion can be in, mapped in and out. So I would say that um, all the numbers are God's numbers. All, he, he owns them all. And he uses them as he pleases. But seven shows up around God in the Bible. And I, I think it's better to say it's from sanctification it's a process of being made holy by God's grace through faith. And I, I say this because the seven churches are in prof, process and the seven-fold spirit would be sanctified because it is before God's throne. You can't be in the presence of God without being holy. So he's completed that or maybe as a picture of completion of that. And I'll explain what I mean by that meaning that could, the sevenfold spirit could represent the Holy Spirit. So now in this text is a letter written by the Apostle John to the seven churches in Asia. Most scholars believe Revelation was written around A.D. 96. So two weeks ago I talked about that Revelation could be written to the fall of Jerusalem. Well, that, as I looked into it this week, that simply just isn't true. It can't be true. And the, what's a little disappointing about that is that is becoming a fad today, that it is true. You would call that post-millennialism. That is where we're getting some of these different uh, teachings, dare I say, um, to where we have to establish an earthly Christian government before Christ comes back. 
And that simply is not true because the only thing that we are really good at establishing is sin. We're professional sinners, and any system that we built will degrade as soon as it's, it's put into place. We're professionals at this. Christ is the answer to our sins, and if we walk outside of his ways, um, we are not going to do that. And that post-millennialism really points to a works-based system. Because we have to establish a kingdom before the kingdom can come? No, 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 no. Christ Jesus said the kingdom of God is like, he was implying that the kingdom of God was here. Where's the kingdom of God? It is in our hearts, through the Holy Spirit. And when he manifests himself through you, out of obedience, then you get to see the kingdom of God spread just a little bit more. And that's addictive. I want to see that a little bit more. And I have an expectation to see that. But I have to do that in humility. <laughs> because if I try to spread it through Shane's authority, I'm no better than anybody else making it a workspace system again. Oy. Man. So we walk in the light as he is in the light, in obedience. So John starts the letter with a typical greeting we see of many Paul's writings, with one exception. Instead of saying, God our Father, which Paul does quite a bit, he describes God our Father. He says, the one who is, the one who always was, and the one who is still to come. Okay, Those are attributes of God, meaning he is timeless. He's not bound by time, matter, or space. Just like we started the book of the Bible, we're ending the book of the Bible. And then he says the sevenfold spirit. And I take this, you may differ from me on this, but I take this as the, the Holy Spirit that is the spirit of each of these seven spirits, meaning that he is timeless over, he can be over all these at the same time, in the same place with these seven churches no problem at all. Satan can't do that. Angels can't do that. Only God's Spirit can do that. Okay? He's present at all seven churches. And you might say they are the archangels before God. The seven archangels before the Lord. I can't necessarily argue with that either. Um, but I, Because I haven't maybe studied that enough. But I tend to look at it more as the Holy Spirit. But either ways, um, in line with what the passage says. And then finally, we have Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things. This is why John had the confidence to say, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because if he were to say, this is the revelation of John, he would not be saying it truthfully. So he has to Say, ah, I get it. I have to say it's your revelation because I can't say it's mine because if I say it's mine, it automatically becomes weaker. This is something that Jesus Christ has revealed to me and now it comes with the strength, the power, and the authority of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That's why John goes there. It was hard, hard for me to see that, but I was like, Oh, okay. So what a way to be described. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. Do you remember when Jesus' ministry began on this earth? Do you remember where he was? He was in the desert for 40 days. And what does Satan offer him? What is one of the things that he offers him? He offers him to be the ruler of all the kingdoms of the world. Look out and see all these great nations. You, you can rule these nations if you just bow down and worship me. If you give me the worship 
Jesus, you can be the ruler. And Jesus rebukes him with scripture and says, no, I think I'll play the long game because soon you will be bowing down to me. Amen? What a way to be described. You know, Jesus didn't do that because he played the long game. He defeated death and Satan has no power over him because he played his trump card and he lost. Jesus Christ is worthy because he is holy. He is without sin. He is faithful. He let it all play out and he won. He didn't take any shortcuts. That's what sin is most of the time is shortcuts. I want to feel pleasure now. I want to know now. I don't want to wait, Lord, in your timing. I want someone now. That was my mentality when it came to dating. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for what you have for me. I want it now. That was a conviction. That was a hard one that I had to learn. You know what? When I gave that up to the Lord, I met my wife the next day. That was pretty amazing. All right, Lord, I surrender it to you. The next day I met my wife. I, we didn't start dating the next day, but I met her. That was the first time I met her, so that was kind of cool. He's faithful. He is righteous and true. He did what he said he was going to do, and he didn't sin while doing it. He defeated death, and nothing or no one can defeat him. God said, you're worthy of the throne. I give it to you. What does Christ Jesus do for those who follow him? He has made us a kingdom of priests. When you think of priests in the Old Testament, what do you think of? Sanctified, set apart, ready to serve the Lord. So we can't take sin in our life and say, well, that's okay, I'm going to serve the Lord with this sin because I'm looking at other sinners doing the same thing. That is not our standard. Our standard is Christ Jesus and his word, and we stand on him, and that's where our authority comes. I'm going to stay off my soapbox on that one. told Beth, i got to stay off of it but I'm like so ready to go on it. (laughs) When Jesus Christ, he does for those who follow him, what do we need to do? We need to remain faithful because he has the power and he has the glory. Not even copycat Satan can do that. Why do you call him copycat? He's the great deceiver. Satan can't, he is created. Satan is created, right? Am I not right in that? Okay, Lucifer is created just like us. He can't come up with anything new that Christ hasn't already thought of. He's the creator. He will flip it on its end so fast and Christ knows how it's gonna play out He's probably, I always get to the, the final battle in my head and I see Jesus there going, you know, you probably thought that this was going to go differently. And they're like, what? What do you mean differently? We're about ready to stomp you. Look at the army that we have against you coming down on top of you. And he's like, your, your army is only a tenth of our size, maybe even less. And I can't believe that you even thought you could stand against us. And I'm like, Jesus goes, Yeah, but you didn't ever read your Bible, did you? Because every time the children of Israel come up with numbers that don't add up, who fights for them? Who fights for the children of Israel? God does. He comes down over top of the olive grove. He comes down out of this fog. He comes down out of fire from heaven. He comes down and rains hail down on them and kills them with briars as they retreat. And more were killed in the hail and the fire than they were killed by the army. He will fight for us if we are obedient to him. 
And we become a kingdom of priests for God his Father. This is a reference, as Baruch would say, as the children of Israel coming out of bondage of sin at Mount Sinai. I thought this was a great illustration of it. God made a covenant with them, and he told them to wash and sanctify themselves, set themselves apart as holy. What did they do? They had one of the worst sin sessions ever after that, right? They set themselves apart as holy. He's been gone too long. He's dead. He's up there. Are you kidding me? God is right next to you, raging in a fire on top of this mountain, and you say God is dead? And they start into this major orgy thing, and it just goes so wrong. And God, Moses comes down, busts the commandments. Why does he bust the commandments? It's not because God couldn't hold up his end of the deal, because if he took those commandments down, God would wipe them out. They've broken every single one of them. I got to get rid of these things. Because if I don't, my people will be killed which is kind of what happened a little bit anyway. And he says, anybody for me, anybody for God, set yourselves apart, come to me now and wipe out your brothers that are sinning. God sometimes uses a, is a winnowing fork to find his people. That was one of the instances. And the Levites, they go and they end up killing one of the guys that, it's doing bad things with a lady in, in the tent, <laughs> to say that with a little bit more younger audience here. And um, the plague stops, and the people have to go and drink the golden calf out of the river. Man, God made a covenant with them. He takes his covenants seriously. The covenant of salvation is something we need to take seriously, folks. Praise God for his forgiveness when we don't, right? We'll be set apart to, to be a part of God's kingdom, to be priests. How much, how much and how big of a role is dependent on our obedience to this earth, meaning what our reward is in heaven is dependent on how obedient we are on this earth. We'll all make it in as children of God, but where we stand in the kingdom, what we have um, depends on that. A great book that illustrates that in a very unique way is C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. That is a very unique way to look at um, the, the great divorce, meaning the divorce between heaven and hell. Okay? And it's, it's a great read. It's a book of fiction, and it is a wow book. You read that book, and you're like, wow, I can't believe that. Let's finish it up. Revelations, Revelation, whoa, stuck that S on there. Seven and eight of chapter one. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Now Jesus, I believe, speaks here. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is to come, the Almighty One. How was God the Father described? The one who always is, who was, and is, is to come. How, what, how has Jesus described himself as I believe that he is speaking right here? He is the exact same attributes as God. Who saw this? Who was witness to this? John the Apostle was through Jesus Christ. He saw that Jesus is God. Okay? That's kind of important. It's like the Trinity coming back together again. Okay? It was split for a time on the earth, and now it's come back together as one, they're all at the throne room. The sevenfold spirit, God the Father and Jesus Christ are all one. And yet, they're different. Okay? 
Jesus glorified. That's our third and final point. Look, pay attention to what is happening. This is important when it says that. It says in the, uh, I believe it's King James, behold. It means look at this. Pay attention to this teaching. This is important. Additionally, when John writes Revelation, he pulls from many other books in the Bible. Verse 7 alone has at least four, and you could give it five, and I'll explain that in a second, references in this quote. The way it ties Scripture together shows that it is inspired by God, that, that he was the one who put all the pieces in place. And Matthew 24 Verse 30, which we studied two weeks ago, says he's coming on the cloud, which is quoting from the book of Daniel and Ezekiel. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, and Ezekiel 30, verse 3. Every eye will see him. This comes from Isaiah 52, verse 8. And the nations of the world, this is a reference to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, when God promises Abraham in his faith covenant that that all nations will be blessed because of you. Okay? And a powerful verse in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. I say it's powerful because it predicts the the first coming of Christ and the second coming and how it ties together. Let me read it for you. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. It's pretty amazing. Verse 10 is exceptional. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and power on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me, whom they have pierced, and mourn for him as for the only son, and they will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. If that doesn't point to Jesus' first coming, I don't know what does. Zechariah is one of the best books of prophecy to point out the two different comings. And point to, it's got, there's probably more prophecy in Zechariah than there is in the book of Daniel. Which was disappointing because I studied Daniel pretty good and I haven't studied Zechariah a lot. And I'm like, oh man, there's more. I'm always a student, always a student. So verse 7 is giving us the reason God the Father turned authority over to the Son. The crucifixion is the place where sin and death were defeated, and the tomb is where the victory of the defeat was celebrated. The cross is where it was defeated. The tomb is where it's celebrated. Okay, We identify with the crucifixion, because we know we are responsible for the sin Christ had to bear. Everybody can understand what it means to lose. Only one person understands what it means to win. You think about a tournament. You think about March Madness is coming up not too long, right? You have 60, what, 66 teams now, right? They keep adding on to that. Pretty soon it's going to be 128, but we have 64-ish teams that go into there. Out of all those teams, only one team comes out perfect without a loss. Only they can understand. We all want to be and root for the champion, but we can all identify as losers. So we all want to root for Christ, but do we, are we willing to surrender to Christ are we understanding that we are not the perfection that he is, and only he offers us that victory if we're willing to put our faith in him? So, pastor, who am I putting my faith in after all? Well, if you're asking that question, let's look at verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Why do we pick those two Words. What's the significance of that? That is the beginning and the end of the alphabet, of the Hebrew alphabet. I believe it's the Greek as well. The beginning and the end means I am. It's the same statement as he says to Moses in the desert. 
I am. This is the same thing. The exact same uh, wording goes in behind it to say, I am. I've always had been. I always will be, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is to come, the Almighty One. This is Jesus speaking. These are attributes of God declared in heaven for all to hear. Meaning Jesus has the same power and authority as God the Father. Why would God share his power, you may be asking? Why would God do that? Well, God is not human. God doesn't have a jealous bone unless it's for us to come to know him. But he doesn't have jealousy in the sense that I'm not sharing with my son. That's such an earthly king to do. What do earthly kings do? I'm going to wipe out my other heirs. I'm going to wipe out my competition so I can rule solely and completely and alone. That's not what Jesus does. That's not what God does. He sees, he roots for his son on the cross, and he says, you defeated death, you defeated sin, and now we can be together in his glory. Wow. This was the firstborn, the glorification of, of Jesus Christ. He was the first born out of death. That is our promise for glorification. So if you look, if you break down the book of Romans as we studied it not too long ago, you can kind of break it down into three sections. Justification, which means um, bringing Christ into your life and being saved from your sin, asking for forgiveness. The second part is sanctification, which means now we're walking toward holiness. We're we're putting our faith into practice. We're obeying him. And then the last part is glorification, which means we can defeat death as well. How do we do that? Not with our own ability, not with our own... uh, character, not with our own goodness. If I'm just a good person, I can make it to heaven. No, only through Jesus Christ, because he was the first to defeat death, and he is the only way to defeat death. Only way. How do I know that? He said so. (laughs) So, can you see how everything kind of hinges on Jesus? If you can discredit Jesus, you can discredit Christianity. Do you see why the world attacks Jesus so hard? Because if they can disprove him, you don't have a moral leg to stand on. But they can't. The more you look into Jesus, the more you discover a guy that you want to be obedient to, that you want to follow his way. And then you find his way is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and no one can come to the Father except through him, and you can accept that. That is the process of glorification. When we die, our physical bodies die, our spiritual bodies will be glorified, and we will be present with the Lord. How do you know that, Pastor? Because my God, my Jesus, said so. Amen? He, can, he offers the same thing to you and to me. And that's why we study the book of Revelation. To be prepared to see the prophecy unfold as we walk in obedience with the Lord. Man, I'm ready to crash now. Got that off my chest. Whew. Sorry, uh, I went over a little bit this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the word that you've given us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have set the standard for us to live by. Lord, don't let us be fooled into thinking that anything less than you is the standard. We want to trust you. We want to know you. And we have to find you in your word. Guide us closer to you so that we might know 
the next step to take in obedience and sanctification process. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the love and the joy and the peace and the patience that you've given us. Allow us to endure the hardships of this life and allow us to support our brother and encourage one another to follow you too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, my wife showed me this nifty little app on your an Apple product for sure. You can get it on. It's called Through the Bible. Through the Word. T-T-W. Through the Word. Right? It gives a little snippet as it walks through. It may be a slower process to walking through God's Word than going through it in a year. You could very well do that. It would take a little bit more longer of a quiet time for you in the morning. But it is a great little thing to explain God's word as you go through. So if you're interested in that, I can definitely send you the link. Maybe I can stick it up on our Facebook page later. Thank you.